Richie, I'm so Terrific. excited. I'm so excited <laughs> for this episode, Richie. But yeah, me too. I kind of feel like I don't know. Things are weird. Vibes are weird. Yeah. I kind of like. I feel like I need something to kind of like send us on our way. You want to send us on our way? Yeah. Do you think you can help me send us on our way? Yeah, I think I. I guess I could. <clears throat> I sage. I sage. Keep, keep going. <laughs> I sage. That song hurts my finger. <laughs> Jack 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 that's that good shit. Almost. Can you believe I taught myself how to play guitar? <laughs> <laughs> that it sounded better than I thought it would. Because, okay, what I need you to know, and I'll introduce you. Um, but I need you to know is like I texted Richie, as I usually do before every episode. I said, Richie, got any ideas for an intro? And, you know, gave it a second. Then I was like, I kind of want to play send uh, on your, you know, rusted root. On my way. On my way. And then he said, <laughs> do you want way. me to play it on guitar? And I said, what? <laughs> he said, <laughs> yeah, it's like one of my songs. And I said, absolutely. And that's the yep. backstory on that beautiful thing. And people now are listening and they're like, wait, that was Richie playing? <laughs> yeah. And there's video proof of it too. I, I want to say. So I was, we're doing this over Zoom. I don't mean to pull back the curtain. Sure. But this oh, is a quarantine yeah. record. That's yeah. um, I uh, used, we, we started recording and then I realized I hadn't turned my phone off. So I looked down to turn my phone off to you did. I uh, saw that. make sure there wasn't signal interruption. And the, and the guitar chord started and <laughs> I thought it was an audio drop. You're playing. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. When I looked back at the screen, I was shocked to see that you were playing guitar <laughs> live. And I you, thought we were hearing the intro of yeah, the actual right. studio recording. That is true. I believe you because I saw <laughs> your you, face Griffin. when you when you realized and I was like, that is a man <laughs> who saw, is shocked to his core. <laughs> Like this, <laughs> and and let's let's also mention for the listener at home because they can't see the video stream that when I joined the Zoom call, both of you were completely bundled up in winter gear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course, cool. And as the theme song was playing, the two of you have now started disrobing. Yeah, into I'm the literally so hot, I can't do yeah. it. We got a, I got you know. It was a good bit. I genuinely laughed. I laughed good. really hard when I saw it. <laughs> and that's, you know, that, and, and we also have to give that up because that is Richie. That was Richie's yeah, well. bit. I'm, I'm not funny and Richie is funny and I just do what <laughs> he does. And then that worked no, out for me. That's not true. Now, is Richie the mastermind? Yes, clearly. Well, of course. He's put in the work this week. <laughs> Call me He's Will Ferrell, a blue yes. head. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. I'm... Richie, Richie's Q and I'm Bond. Okay, crazy to call myself James Bond. <laughs> I'm actually the James Bond of podcasting in many ways. What does that mean? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I say that to people all the time. I say that to our mutual <laughs> friends all the time. Mm -hmm. you and know, you know, I feel like, hmm? 
Bulnez is kind of actually the James Bond of podcasting. <laughs> Bulnez, uh, she's she's Bulnez, Rebecca Bulnez, <laughs> and you're and you're li- a listener, and you're thinking, but who is Rebecca, and and who are the others, and why is she here, and why is she yelling, and mm. and what do I have to say is that I'm Rebecca of jacking off with Rebecca and Richie, and then and then who's Richie? It's this guy over here. Yeah, and it's me, and I'm Richie from Jacking Off with Rebecca and Richie. <laughs> and nothing else. <laughs> Richie didn't exist. I actually created, okay, Richie's my son. I gave birth to him to do this podcast with me. Yeah. Excuse me, Richie of Mastermind, the DreamWorks animated <laughs> film, lists his other credit. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the visual inspiration for the character me, of Will, Mastermind. Tina. Yeah. I'm kind of like. Brad Pitt, right? He's in that movie. Yep. I feel like I've, I've thought about that movie more in the last few years than I absolutely should have. And it kind mm. of makes me think, do I rewatch what's going on? Why it is it had a, picking uh, at me? a little bit of a resurgence online? I, I've seen more people be like, this is really underrated, mm. um, yeah. which maybe so I've, I've watched it since then and thought it was fine. Oh, so you have done the work. I, to, yes. I, I never saw it. And I, I think, I mean, we just named most of them, but off the top of my head, I was ready to go six cast members deep <laughs> into an animated film from 10 plus years ago that I never watched once. Wow. That's okay. I guess we have a new quarantine activity for a couple of us is that we got to watch the dang mastermind. Well, and who's this other guy who's apparently never mastermind. seen mastermind. And you're thinking wow. like, this guy, this guy hasn't seen Mastermind. Seems like something he would have done. <laughs> Absolutely. It is. You know him, you love him. Podcaster, actor, comedian, um, just a good friend and pal. Oh, yeah. It's Griffin Newman. I'm so excited. Thank you for having me here. Yeah, it's a it's especially bizarre considering you're having me on the Ice Age episode, and I was like, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. That I've well, never seen Mastermind. It is, it is, it is, um, okay. Now, now, and now we're we're talking about, uh, uh, um, on top of each other. Now we're talking over each other. And it's crazy. Um, I think that this episode came about because over the summer I was listening to blank check. I think the episode about following maybe, Mm. uh, and you talked at length about ice age in that episode. Wow. Wow. I was Those a big fan of, of this Nolan movie. Ones. Yeah, of course. Well, of course. Where else would I talk about Ice Age than an episode <laughs> devoted to Christopher Nolan's first self-financed film? Um, I, was a, I was a fan of this movie. I mean, look, like I, I don't want to jump the gun, but sure. when, when uh, D- David, my blank check co-host, and I went to see another Jack Black movie, Jumanji, Welcome to the Zung- Jungle, Welcome to the uh, Zungle. That sounds funky. Welcome to the Jungle. <laughs> welcome to the Zungle, baby. Sure. When we saw Welcome to the Jungle and the lights came up, I turned to him and I said, in an ideal world, that is the worst any movie is. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> okay. Sure, like, And yeah. I don't actually, mean that in a backhanded and actually, way. But I'm and like, actually, elaborate is, on that, please. Idealistically, that is the base level of entertainment for a studio film. Ah, okay, okay. You know how? It's just like it gets that job done. Like I'm like does the assignment. Everything should be this competent, this charming, this kind of functional, this entertaining. Mm-hmm. Like at least everything should sort of be like a six, you know? Yeah. Yes. And it's like we all kind a of, world I, of think, sixes. I don't 
Mm. Right. And I don't think we overrated Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle when it came <laughs> out, but people were so kind of blown away by it because they were like, I was expecting this to be bullshit. Yeah. Because yeah. we're so used to bullshit that doesn't make sense that you're like, that movie has jokes. I laughed at them. I could keep track which character was which. Yeah. Like it was like all these things that I'm making sound backhanded. It's like, no, it's like, it's hard to make a movie that functional. <laughs> it was and competent. Ideally, yeah. Every, every movie is at least competent. And then beyond that, you achieve levels of greatness. Yeah. And Ice Age for me is I'm like, this is like the Jumanji of like modern CGI animated films. Like this is the worst any CGI American animated film should be. Sure. And at the time it was like DreamWorks, Pixar, Blue Sky is essentially like the third challenger to the arena. Yes. And sure. people were like, I don't know. Blue Sky, three people making computer animated films <laughs> in this economy. <laughs> what? And I think... I think people were really like kind of blown away by it, surprised by it because they were like, oh, it's like good. It's actually like good. Yeah. And so then do you remember, uh, now you we're see used it to. In, did you see this in theaters? Do you remember the context? Of, well, first of all, I mean, I want to know your relationship to the film. I also want to know your relationship to Jack Black Jack as a Black. whole, this as a is person, a, Black, a figure. Black. This is a podcast about yeah. Jack Black and we didn't mention the star and this is of the most Age. important film. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, is- yeah. What's your relationship to this movie? Um, well, I, I have a, a much younger sister, so mm. I was about, I guess, 13 or 14 when this movie came out, but she was uh, four or five. Um, so I definitely, like, I'm a big animation nerd. I thought I wanted to be an animator for a good chunk of my life. Um, you still have time. And so I, <laughs> I still have time. I still have time. And who knows? Everything's out the window these days. Um, but... I definitely, like, at the age where my friends were starting to grow out of wanting to see animated movies in theaters. And I would say this was a threshold movie. You know, this is, like, seventh grade for me. Sure. So it was still, like, people were like, I don't know, like, yeah, I'll go see, like, the cartoon or whatever. And be like, and ha, ha, see, it would be funny like, to see the cartoon. <laughs> yeah. Right, and they're like, actually, it was, like, actually funny. Like, I was surprised <laughs> it was actually funny. <laughs> yeah. But by like two years later, I'm in high school and people just don't want to do it, save for maybe Pixar films, you know? Yeah. Um, so I definitely got a lot of mileage out of the fact that like, I want to see these animated films. I don't know how much I want to admit that I want to see these animated films, but I would take my sister to see them. Yeah. So this was definitely like the start of like, I'm seeing these movies with my sister. She's old enough to see them. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of old enough to like be watching her on my own. But I feel like the, the context of which I saw it was she had a big crush a big preschool crush okay. on a boy in her grade and they wanted to see the movie together. They had talked about seeing Ooh, the movie together spicy. and it had come out. It was that weekend. And we had like, I, I think my mom had vaguely made plans with his dad to try to see the movie. And then they weren't picking up the phone. So she was like really torn about it. And then we were like, let's go see it. They're not responding. And then we went to see it. And then right afterwards, I think he called back and was like, oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Called, da-da-da-da-da. Classic I think men. Ugh. We, we saw the movie twice within a week, and I think the second time we had to pretend we hadn't seen it the first time. <laughs> sure. She was very insistent on it, that yeah. we make it seem special, that she had saved it to see it with her four-year-old crush. Wow. Um, I respect. So I saw, yeah, I saw it at least twice in theaters and probably watched it on home video. I liked it. Uh, saw the second one in theaters opening weekend because I was like, yeah, Ice Age rips. Mm-hmm. Like that was one where I had to like sell a high school friend on seeing <laughs> Ice Age 2. And I was like, come yeah. on, let's go see Ice Age 2. Didn't you like the first Ice Age? 
And yeah. then we sat there and I was just like, I, I hate this. This is so be below core competency. Mm. This movie doesn't make sense. And then I just completely tapped out on the franchise. And I think I had gotten a little bit cynical about Ice Age because they made five of them okay. in addition oh, yeah. to TV specials and short films and video games. It was like so many DreamWorks franchises where they just like wrung it dry. I feel like this is the first one that I remember um, like watching that happen to. Like I'm sure there are others, but like I feel like this is the first one where I was like, wait, there's another, another, another one. You know, that's like the first experience I had with a franchise like that. I think, I think for this franchise, I, I was, I was probably, it was 2002. So I was in seventh grade, I think at the time. Um, And I was like, I'm not going to see this one. <laughs> be a little so bit you, of a were, you were at the opposite end of the curve of me. You were like, this is maybe when I stop. I guess, I think I was also like, as like a, like a, my moral, my moral compass was like, well, <laughs> if it's the ice age, compass. if it's at the, if it's the ice age, these characters are going to die. Sure. Like oh. you're going to be hit by a, like a meteorite or something. Like, I don't want to see that. I don't want to. You were in a nihilistic state. Yeah, that's you're like, yes, of course. They're all going to die anyway. <laughs> I was yeah, obviously exactly. stoked because I was a child. <laughs> I was <laughs> like, yeah, dude, fucking let's rock and roll. I loved it. I had a great old time, you know. I, I'll say this about it, though. Yeah. I'm sorry, but uh, to answer the other part of your question, I forgot. Tell I me. was such a big Jack Black fan. Yeah. Uh, woo! From, wait, 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 from wait, High wait, Fidelity. Wait. Ding, 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 ding. It's true. Cool. I wanted to use one of our buttons because we haven't used it in, yeah. in a while. Go on. So High Fidelity's 2000 or 99? 2000? 2000. Yeah. Right. So I'd seen them in some stuff before then, like Mars Attacks and whatever. But High Fidelity was where I was like, this guy's a movie star. Totally. I want to see anything he's in. And so then the following year is like uh, Shallow Hal and Saving Silverman. or those both over? Yeah. yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I was like an opening weekend Jack Black guy. It was like, Dad, you got to take me to the Jack Black movie. I love Jack Black. And there was a thing where my dad would take me to Jack Black movies and every time would say like, it's funny, but I, I think it's going to get pretty old pretty soon. <laughs> like I think... Joke's on you, dad. dad. <laughs> I know. It's like 20 years later, you know, post like him becoming a movie star. And he would just keep on saying like, I think the Jack Black thing is going to get really old. <laughs> um, but I remember Jack Black being in this movie, being a thing I would use to try to sell friends on going to see it. Yeah, you Because know Jack? he still yeah. seemed like kind of a cool, edgy movie star. You know, it was yeah. like he was still he felt like we could have some possession over him. Because he wasn't, he wasn't like, for the kids yet. And he wasn't super yeah. mainstream yet. And it was like yeah. this edgy guy's in this fucking movie, not like a sitcom star, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like even though like Leary and Legazamo started out as like edgy stand-ups, totally. they had done children's films at this point. Yeah. They had been in like big blockbusters and shit. They were and in Jack Black Bugs, still had which one? Bugs Life or yeah. Yeah, Bugs Life. Leary, Leary's in a Bugs, Bugs Life. Yeah. Legazamo, I'm forgetting, must have done animated films before this because he was such a voice guy. Yeah. And I'm forgetting which ones. Was he in the like, Mario Brothers movie? Was that him? He's no. Luigi. Yeah. Yeah. And Dennis Leary had been in like Demolition Man. Like they had done a lot of stuff where it was like. You know like, who's also in Demolition Man? Jack, Jack Black. Black. <laughs> mm-hmm. You do know. Okay, go on. <laughs> but they were like renting out their comedic persona, whereas yeah. Jack Black still had like a lot of ownership over what he was. And so 
Jack Black was like fifth build in this movie. I remember them like not acting like he was one of the stars, but including him a lot in references to this movie and the marketing and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then going to see it, trying to like convince myself his part was more substantive <laughs> yeah. than it was. So not having seen it in so long, I was like, Oh, he truly has like four lines in this? Truly. He has Very like small. one scene that he sort of tries to yes. make a meal of. Um, but right. beyond that, and I was even, I completely forgot the contact. Like I forgot the character, I forgot anything yes. related to him. So I was even like, and I've seen his IMDb millions of times because of this podcast, yeah. but I'm like, oh yeah, interesting. I'll, I'll, it'll be interesting to watch like Ice Age 2. No, it won't. He's not in Ice Age 2, <laughs> right? right? Like, no, no what? No. He's not a main it's character. Also, it's crazy because he becomes such an animation guy, obviously like has his big animation franchise, but does Shark Tale 2. I'm so, and shit. yeah, yeah. And those movies are so much banking on the live action Jack Black persona, like from totally. like how they design the characters to the type of role he plays. Like it's like he is playing a Jack Black part. And this feels like there are these three like supporting uh, saber tooth tigers or yeah, whatever they're it's supposed Diedrich, to be. Yeah, uh, Bader, right? Right. Yeah. Alan Tudyk Alan and Jack Tudyk. Black. Yeah. And Tudyk and Bader are like comedy guys who are also just like super prolific voiceover actors. Just yeah. do everything. They'll like jump in and do two lines. They'll do a lead role. They'll do anything. Um, And then Jack Black is like that sort of comedy star where I wonder if he was like, maybe I become more of a voiceover guy, but they're all playing like not movie star roles. And then the fact that he gets such prominent billing in the end credits must be that in the time between when they recorded this and when it came out, they were like, we got to sell the black of it all. (laughs) Yeah. They're realizing his rising star. Right, because I even remember, like, you know how, like, before there was, like, the electronic, like, movie showtime thing, Mm -hmm. like, the board with all the showtimes? Yeah. They would have those, like, clear plastic lucite things Mm -hmm. that would be above the box office that they would shine light through that would just have the logo of the movie? Yeah. I remember when we went to see Ice Age, the one they had at the theater said, Romano, Legazamo, Leary, Black. That's so like crazy. Like they put him above That's it really as weird. the four. I mean, yeah. we got to talk about like the first time we see Jack, see slash here, Jack is 33 minutes yes. in. And then we see it. him maybe twice after that. Yeah. Right. And I will is- say, uh, sorry, but I will say to the, I guess a testament to this movie is that when I saw, I didn't, I went in not knowing who he played. I sort of wanted mm. to be surprised by his voice. Um, I, saw the character design and I was like, that's going to be Jack. And, and can we talk about how fucked up that guy looks? <laughs> Zeke? <laughs> his, yeah, Jack's playing a character name? named Zeke. And yes. I can only describe him as the saber tooth tiger who is also in many ways a meth head. I don't know. He's tweaking. He's he is tweaking. Actually, he's, it's actually not a saber tooth tiger. It says it's a smilodon. Okay. okay. Thank you. For okay, that. fair enough. <laughs> Thank you for letting me know. <laughs> Um, well, I just, in case say, some Smilodons are listening, I don't want them to get mad. <laughs> yeah, thank well, you. There's, uh, what's his name? Goran Vashik. Yeah. ER, plays the main villain. He's the very serious Bad looking uh, Smilodon. 
<laughs> but then the two <laughs> others, the three like Smilodons in the pack, there's this really tiny sort of wiry, like tweaky one. Mm-hmm. Then there's one that's kind of chunky and looks kind of dumb. Yeah. And then there's one that looks like really like arrogant. Yeah. He's and like to the be hot fair, guy. <laughs> right. If you're watching it today, like present day and you pause the movie and you haven't Which seen we it, you quit famously someone, did. <laughs> right. They wouldn't guess that Jack Black was the tweaky one. Like you're obviously mm-hmm. the, the two of you went. That must be the Jack Black character. But you're experts. You're living in it. It's true. <laughs> to be fair, it's kind of funny to think like because then Shark Tale and Kung Fu Panda are both like he plays the big one. Yeah, like, the, the big, big doof, kind of childlike doofy, doofy char- one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right to have this one that's like really like. Livewire is is interesting for him, and this he's bad. Desperate. He's like a bad boy, like like not he's in a, a charming boy. way. He's like wanting no. to freaking you know maul pe- the the our our friendly uh, main characters. Yeah, he's like I gotta get him. You know, the only tool he's using from like his classic Jack ba- Black, you know, toolbox mm. is the the energy. But otherwise, it's not a Jack Black character, really. It's more like, I think, what he was doing as a character actor in the 90s. Yeah, I mean... he became as a comedy leading man. The I don't first know scene. when they cast him, but I did just read that production started in June of 2000 for this movie. Yeah, yeah. so it's like, yeah. he probably gets cast, someone walks into the office, and they're like, I saw this movie, High Fidelity, this guy's great, let's get him in for four lines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, but I, I do feel like the first time we see him... Or hear him like that. That's that's not distinct, distinctly Jack to me at all. The only no, moment that it becomes second line, yeah. Like what's the way? What's the second line when he starts no, doing I just like, like a, I, I heard him talk and I was like, who's that voice? And then I heard the second line and I was like, oh, it's Jack Black. He does Very like cool. a weird like Jack Blacky laugh sort of thing, mm-hmm. and then yeah. his main scene later where he kind of gets to do a little bit more. Well, it's it's the the moment that it becomes Jack is when he yells. Which is mm-hmm. like yeah. I feel like at that point, especially a trademark Jack thing. If we're if we're giving him trademarks yet, it's like when yeah. he goes and he yells, you know. And, and I then think you're like, okay, I guess thing, that's Jack. Well, the thing where it sounds like he's gonna run out of breath before the end of the sentence, like he does a little bit of that, where he's like, "Come on, let's go get the tiger." Yeah, you know, like that kind of yeah. not tiger. He's not saying get the tiger. He wants to get the get baby. The baby. What the? Yeah, right. This movie's kind of crazy that that so much of it is centered on like the possible death of a child. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I want to talk about the movie large in a second, but yeah. I, I just want to say that I was so desperate for this to be a Jack Black movie mm-hmm. at this time, <laughs> both to be able to sell my friends on it that way, but also because I wanted the Jack Black movie star thing to happen. I wanted him yeah. to gain his foothold. That in my mind, I was like, well, he's not like a lead, but he's got like a pretty big part. He's like the second main villain. <laughs> and then re-watching it, I was like, he does not talk in most of these scenes. Like, yeah. I was giving him credit for just visually <laughs> appearing on screen <laughs> without a voice. Like, there are yeah. enough scenes where, like... He's just the, sauntering the, around in the background, like... Burp, burp, burp. Right, where Soto talks for two seconds, and he's just sort of, like, sniveling in the background. I was like, Jack Black's goodness. Like, he's good in this scene. <laughs> well, that's how I felt, honestly, um, with a lot of the characters in this, though. Well, we'll, we'll, t- we'll talk more about um, Legazamo, but 
there are some times that my brain tricked me where I'm like watching the way that they animate the body. And I'm like, that's a fucking performance. And I'm like, that's a drawing. <laughs> like that's not, you know, like, like he's not doing that. But th- there is multiple times in this movie that I, my brain did the same thing where it's like, Oh, there, there he is. Look at him acting. You know, Sid is a master of physical comedy. I mean, I mean we got to really talk is. about Sid, but first of all, I need to check in with Richie because Richie was doubtful that he would like this. And I tried to get a little bit, of something out of him and he said he'll save it all for the pod i need to know i mean at least okay at least up until when we finally meet jack how are you feeling about the movie richie so far um not very good (laughs) (laughs) i knew it uh yeah was uh not super into this movie um i can't believe uh, i mean i can believe i knew it i mean yeah, I, it just like it's. I was like hoping for it to hit that spot where I was be like, oh, okay. Like I was a little, maybe too judgmental as a kid, but yeah. Um, but now, even then, I don't. I've never seen it in full. I've probably seen it on TVs or something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's like I don't know when Disney's dinosaurs came out. Two thousand. <laughs> Thank you. I can Rick tell knows. you on the nugget. I think I believe <laughs> Memorial Day two thousand. <laughs> Thank you. Cool. I Thank think. you. I needed that. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that movie definitely made me sad, which I, and I definitely saw it. So I was just like, I'm just going to back off of this genre of film. Oh. Uh, Did this make yeah. you sad? No, not this time. Okay. Uh, I was just sad. mostly bored. <gasps> yeah. Okay. Griff, you were going to say something? Also, it's insane. Uh, it's May nineteenth, two thousand. I was off by a week. Yes, okay. it is one hour and twenty minutes on the nugget with credits, and I yeah. believe the credits run about 10. ten. This is a, a, it ended a at seventy minutes. Yeah. This is a seventy-minute movie. I mean, this is when like I recently rewatched the first Toy Story, a thing I do on a near weekly basis. <laughs> I'm shocked to hear this news. <laughs> During quarantine, you've Story watched is, Toy Story. <laughs> the first Toy Story is like that too, where it's like. 70 minutes with 10 minutes of credits at the end, like particularly slow credits. That's crazy. To pad it out to being feature length. All these CGI studios, when they start, are just like, we barely have enough money to make a movie. Like it takes so much time and energy and like human power and Mm -hmm. money to make a CGI film. We're going to squeak by to feature length. See, when it was over for me, I was like, I want more. (laughs) I said, give me more. I think I also... I mean, it's weird watching this now because I was a child when I saw it. And I think I also conflate like one and two in my brain, you know, where mm. I'm just like, there's like, I'm like, there's so much more that happens in this movie. And it's like, no, it's no, that's not true. There's just another movie that you also watched, you know, like, um, and so, so, so I, I, I thought of it as, I remembered it as much more of a meal, you know, of a movie. Mm. And I was like, give me more. I need, I, I wanted more. <laughs> Listen, I, I mean, I'll tell you right now. I was, I was laughing out loud. <laughs> me too. But this is oh, this God. thing like, so Toy Story 2, which is pretty much my favorite movie of all time, is like pretty much like a proper 90 minutes. It's like, you know, 122 or 25 with credits. Mm-hmm. And even the credits have like the, the Pixar bloopers and all this stuff. Like there's animation going on for most of the movie. And I prefer Toy Story 2. But there's something to Toy Story 1 that I think is also a play in this movie where it's just so fucking lean and economic. Tight. Like, the, the plotting is so tight and yeah. taut. And then the fact that they're able to get that many good jokes in there as well yeah. and characterization, it does make me, like, 
I know I'm repeating my points here, but when this came out in 2002 and people were like, well, it's like not as good as Pixar and it's not as good as Shrek, but like for a third tier CGI studio, it's pretty good. Yeah. And I'm like, I wish this was the average level of quality now. Cause I do. Yeah. I do yeah. think it's smart. Like whether you enjoy it or not, like the, the experience of watching it or not, I do think it's like got some little clever jokes. It's not completely pandery to like a child necessarily. You know what I mean? Like it's got the, yeah. the things. Oh wait, I forgot a joke that I wanted to do, which is, <laughs> now I want to kill myself. <laughs> no. um, Go ahead. Which is, you know, that beginning with Scrat. Hey, talk about a cold open. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that was my very good. My first two, no- the, my first three notes on this movie are: I see squirrel, I'm smiling. Then there's a new mastermind. <laughs> <laughs> And then I say, then I'm stressed for the guy. And then I say, talk about a cold open. So well, that's kind of where I'm coming from. And that's a hat trick, my friends. And how do we feel about Scrat? I mean, we got to talk about him. <laughs> we got to talk Scrat. about Scrat. Scrat is the reason this movie was a hit. 100%. Yeah. Like, I don't love know if the two Scrat. of you remember this, but the marketing was like 90% Scrat. You're like, what's going to happen of, with this guy? <laughs> it was kind of radical. No, because I remember like the first trailer for this movie was just that cold open. Yeah. You didn't see the characters. There was no dialogue. It was just like releasing a little Roadrunner cartoon into theaters. Yeah. And so it stood out amongst the trailers because it was like, I just got a full meal. Like I got a nice little short film. I got a one reeler. Richie, tell me you like Scrat. <laughs> uh, I honestly think one reason I didn't go see this too is that I wasn't that into Scrat you, as a kid. I was like, is missing. It didn't reel me about in. Scrat. He's, he's I classic know. comedy. He's the slapstick king. I he's the slapstick king. I will uh, say um, that my heart bleeds for him though. Like, uh, I feel like they put say, him through hell in the later movies and I don't love it. I'm like, he's a tragic figure. <laughs> he really he for sure is. Maybe that's, I may have felt bad for him. It's one that's of the reasons true. I tapped out on the sequels was I was just like, please put this guy out of his misery. <laughs> I know these films are doing well, but you can't string them along like his this. His eyes are bulging. Years. He's going through so much physical trauma. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do think yeah, you're a very I mean, compassionate soul, Richie, and that maybe that yeah, would have been um, sure. uncomfortable I'm just so to nice. watch. <laughs> you're just such a good guy. <laughs> uh, as we said, this movie, 70 minutes without credits, the first four minutes of it are scrap. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> such a big, it's a big, big chunk. percentage of this film. Uh, and obviously they do more than that. Well, I think in in, yes. in the first like test versions of the movie, they've only got Scrat as like the cold open of like the the mm-hmm. intro. But the kids went fucking crazy. They were freaks right. for Scrat. They said we got to give them more Scrat. And I'm mm-hmm. and listen, I'm glad they did. I'm happy that they did um, because he does make me laugh. He really does. Um, and it always it it is also like mixed in my mind of like. It's, it's a part of the movie, so it's not the same thing, but I'm nostalgic for like when they would play shorts before the animated like movies. Absolutely. And that's just like what it is to me, you know? It's you like, get both. It's so, yeah, it's, it's a fun time. So like this was, f- to, to back off up a little bit for some nerdy shit. Go Fox off, please. King. Had, had like roped in Don Bluth yeah. to try to compete with Disney during the Renaissance in the 90s. So he does Anastasia. Love it. Um, so good. And I'm forgetting the other one in between, but his Fox run ends with Titan A.E., which is like a big bomb. Uh, which John Leguizamo's trying- in, no? 
Yes, I think so. I yeah. Think so. Yeah. Um, but that's when everyone is weirdly trying to make hand-drawn boys sci-fi action films. It's like Treasure Planet, Sinbad, I love it. Atlantis. Cuties. All of the hotties. I mean, yes. <laughs> and even Roger El Dorado fits into that a little bit too. It becomes like these boys adventure action comedies. And homoerotic, absolutely. Love them all. Right, rather than princess musicals. Yeah. Um, but Anastasia was his big attempt to like outdo Disney and it did pretty well, but it didn't dethrone him. And then Titan E was a big bomb and they like cut that out. They were like done, Fox Animation done. Yeah. But they had bought Blue Sky, which was a special effects company to go like, maybe we should be trying to play this old uh, Pixar game. Pivoting, Trying to do baby. some of this. And uh, Ice Age was a script that was supposed to be done under Don Bluth, hand-drawn, more of, I think, a Land Before Time kind of like earnest mm -hmm. adventure survival movie. They wanted it to be a drama, which um, I just do need to, <laughs> I do need to insert yeah. here one of my favorite things that I read about this movie, which is, I... I'm telling you that I laughed at this for five minutes, which is um, Ray Romano referring to this movie as a dramedy. <laughs> he said, we called it a dramedy, you know? And I'm uh, that I'm like, HBO, <laughs> Ice Age, dramedy, let's see it. But yeah, yeah, apparently they wanted it to be more of a, dra a drama, right? And then it, they, yeah. you know, but the, they were to, like, no, 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 give us a laugh. To, to be fair, I mean, that statement tells me how good of an actor Ray Romano is oh, that I he really him. puts himself in the mindset of his character. Because for Manny, this film's a tragedy. Absolutely. There's, not, there's no comedy in this film for Manny. We have to get it. We'll get into Manny in a, in a minute because I have things to say. Um, but yeah, tell me more of your nerdy shit. So, so they, they want they to hire, do like a, they hire adult comedy writers. I mean, yeah. like a lot of writers worked on this, many of them uncredited, including a lot of Simpsons alumni. And there are a lot mm -hmm. of Simpsons alumni, even on like the animation side, mm -hmm. like David Silverman, who works at Pixar after this and goes on to direct the Simpsons movie and John Vitti, who is a big Pixar guy. Like they, uh, I'm sorry, big Simpsons guy. They're getting like a lot of like adult animation people mm -hmm. and they're getting a lot of comedy writers and the writer they hired, I forget which one, but one of the ones who really cracked the draft was like, I don't know how to write a kid's film. They were like, great, don't write a kid's film. Write the movie for you. Yeah. I think it's very telling that they hired like three adult stand-ups, you know, mm -hmm. who weren't really family stars at that point, even though like Gazamo and Lear had done more movies like this. Like they picked people with more adult sensibilities. Um, that was their like kind of uh, stake to make this different from what everyone else was doing. And then they hire Chris Wedge, who was one of these guys who was like bouncing around animation for a while to direct it and had won an Oscar for a short film. And I think he's the one who's like, let's make this more Looney Tunes. And like he's famously way, Scrat. He famously totally. voice, voices Scrat. Right. But like <laughs> in the way that like Pixar and DreamWorks were going for like a little more emotional depth, like a little more of an epic feeling. I think this movie owns like from the opening Scrat sequence when he like, wedges the the acorn into the ground mm -hmm. and then the crack happens in the ice and the crack is all like zigzaggy and yeah. defies all physics yeah you're like i know what this movie is totally and so even releasing that as a trailer you're just like this is a great little sample size if i'm seeing a movie in this trailer place before it feels like i'm getting a short if i'm going to see this movie in theaters it feels like i'm getting a couple scratch shorts for free yeah. And Chris Melandri, who is the guy, the executive at Fox who oversees this after bringing these movies to like wild success and doing some of the other Blue Sky films, leaves, starts his own company, Illumination, 
creates the minions. And I think mm. Scrap was kind of the proto minions in a way. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah, yeah, like unintelligible, just like it, there. He really is just like there's because like what is his 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 defining characteristic? It's like he's tragic. He's yeah, got yeah. one Weird thing. Bad he wants the damn right. acorn. He don't talk n- none. He's got yeah. these big crazy eyes. Like um, yeah, absolutely. That makes so much th- sense. But it's a classic physical comedy, and a big thing about the Ice Age movies that then carries over the Despicable Me movies, they do insanely well overseas. Like, ah. Ice Age did so much better. The, the language of Scrap. <laughs> there is- That's the thing, because it's, like, kind of universal. They're like, let's Beautiful. own the visual comedy, the physical comedy, the things that it doesn't matter which local comedian you hire to Scrap redub it. Is it's like global, baby. Right. So, like, you could put Scrat in a trailer, and in the same way, the Despicable Me trailers were mostly minions. And you were like, yeah. what is this movie about? I'm just seeing minion hijinks. They're yeah. speaking in gibberish, but it worked. That's so interesting. Didn't, when when Despicable Me came out, didn't like Best Buy have an app where you could like put in headphones and get the minion speak translated? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, because that it. feels like a a missing piece that no one talks about. Yeah, that you could understand the minions if you just had the right information, but they just right. totally got rid of it. And I think it's very telling that they were like, "We got to cut this shit out now." Our mm-hmm. money comes from the fact that no one knows what the fuck they're saying, right. and any uncle can turn it into whatever meme they want. Like, let's stop giving people any context clues as to what the minions are saying. <laughs> yeah, it reminds me of like um, fucking aliens and Mars attacks. When they're just yes. being, you know, you know, and, and you can just project whatever you want. But like, but as we said, they're performing, you know, they're performing and you're, yeah. you're seeing something, you're understanding. That's so interesting. Scrat is the language of love. <laughs> <laughs> um, we do got to talk about uh, these. Let's, let's get into our three, our three guys. We got to, <laughs> I want to cool. talk about these guys. Um, I have not seen Three Men and a Baby, but I'd assume it's this. this- well, well, yeah. I mean, Rebecca, maybe you haven't seen Three Men and a Baby, but after watching this film, you've seen Three Mammals and a Baby. <laughs> <laughs> I thought of that while watching it. You did? It is, no, it is. It, this is like this era of CGI films is just like, okay, we're done making like princess musicals. We're done yeah. adapting like classic like folk tales. Mm-hmm. Let's pick a live action comedy from like the 70s or 80s and mm-hmm. remake it with a different species. I mean, and I love it. And I do, I have to love, I have to note how much I love just, I mean, this movie is simply very gay <laughs> and, and I don't hate it. And I mean, there yeah. are some, jo- there are some definite like gay jokes, right? Do we agree? Um, like the two well, rhinos are I'm definitely curious. gay. Sure. In the beginning, yeah. Stephen Root What's and someone else. Joke? But I, I do think Being like, like I feel these like- are gay ones. Is they make, what I mean. <laughs> they make some sort of jokes about Sid occupying a little bit more of the mother nanny role. That yeah. he's like a little bit more sort of the feminine, like motherly mm-hmm. figure in the group. But I also think you got to give this movie credit in 2002 for how much it doesn't make gay panic jokes. Sure. Totally. Even if there's like a lot of sort of seeded stuff. Mm-hmm. And the sequels start to like give each of them a love interest. Yeah. Which I'm like, the thing that's kind of cool about this movie is it's just three dudes. Well, this is <laughs> like, not that I like the lack of women, but the yeah. fact that they're just comfortable being like, yeah, we're Griff's hard. Like, Griff's like, I'm straight. I like when there's women in movies too. <laughs> no, no. I, I think that's what, that's why I think like this movie 
is a gay movie. It does have yeah. some, it has sure. like little gay jokes that I noticed this um, time, but I do just generally think of it as like I, gay as hell. And in a I way do that I like. have to take this time to, of course, state my our our horny, horny moment, moment of the week. week. Okay. <laughs> um, let's get into which it. Which is the decidedly very straight moment. I am hoping that we have not picked the same moment. And I'm, oh, I'm becoming very worried that you're you about to describe guys. the exact moment I have picked. Oh boy, uh, a sloth in a hot tub with Stop two. It. Oh, okay. Two hot uh, sloth women with boobs. With their fur uh, boobs? Yeah, with fur <laughs> boobs. I, I was I paused this and rewound a couple of times and really I zoomed in. I looked at it very closely. Yeah, I swear to God, the the fur over their boobs looks so <laughs> sloppy. I bet you that up until late in animation, the boobs were more clearly defined without the fur. Sure. Like they just had yeah. two mounds on their chest and someone was like, you just have to put a patch of fur over that. Like mm. it's like the hair on the Disney Plus splash. Yeah, no, I feel like oh, yeah. when I saw that in my brain, I went to two reference points. A, um, boobs on cats and cats. And then B, yes. Lady Venom. Just because they had that nice, mm. that, you know, you remember in Venom when it becomes Lady? When it becomes Lady Venom and it's Michelle Williams? I do. Um, that's what I made. Okay, and Richie's leaving. No, that's what I thought about. I'm like, they've got these hourglass figures. Absolutely, you know, yes. they're 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 very busty. They're very, yes. and they're so high up. They're pushed up. Oh, and Richie I just know. went to go they're get firm. his venom cup. <laughs> just wow, so he can see the cup of venom, and I'm really jealous. And I should have. I have that. a popcorn container too. That's because you because they were selling that. forty. I'm so jealous. I'm really so jealous. You know, guys, I just rewatched it. Holds up absolutely. So that's your out. That's making you horny. They've got that mascara. That's they've got yeah, their big that, old I mean, titties. <laughs> of course, he's. I, well, I mean, the dream to the, be in a hot tub with, <laughs> with two lady sloths, babes, yeah. Jane Krakowski sloth. Yeah, mm -hmm. I just say since I'm on a podcast with with two of America's biggest uh, Venom stands. Yeah, <laughs> dude. And it was it was recently announced that uh, Venom Let There Be Carnage is pushed back to 2021. I don't. Want to talk about it? <laughs> it in the words of Michelle Williams, I will not give it as good of a line reading as she did, but I'll try my best. Tell me. Hey, I'm I'm sorry about Vanna. <laughs> <laughs> she's like in her little plaid skirt and her like knee high boots, and she's just like, hey, I'm sorry about Venom. She should have won the Oscar for that line. With that alone. goddamn wig and the freaking... Oh, God, when I love you, it so much. When you think about the fact that Michelle Williams has had to say both I'm sorry about Venom <laughs> and Jack Nasty and made both sing... She's oh, yeah. maybe our finest actor. Yeah. She's she's our fi I mean she's our finest actor. Um, absolutely, uh, in her you know beautiful poignant roles, and also in in Venom, which is also a beautiful poignant yeah. role. And I'm when sorry about Venom, and it makes me so <laughs> horny when she's Lady Venom. When that happens, that's cool, and that's when you that know was, that he's an that Venom's an ally. That's absolutely you know. for sure no venom is actually a, a true male feminist and <laughs> and we don't even know as, that, that venom's a boy venom venom oh is just, that's true you know venom well, yeah. and, and and then nobody many bothered venom to ask what venom's pronouns are. <laughs> in well, many ways venom is a non-binary <laughs> binary icon <laughs> i think that's true i mean what do we know about venom for a fact symbiote venom. loves to eat heads 
on my planet, I was a bit of a loser. <laughs> oh, God. I'm going to literally start crying if I start thinking about Venom and how he, <laughs> about how, how Venom is just a little pathetic little guy, needs a little friend. <laughs> oh, God. He is a little friend. Loves Eddie Brock to the bottom of his deep, deep in his soul. Oh, my God. It's making me really I, emotional. Can I share my horny moment? Because I want to just get it out of the way, especially yeah. now that Richie hasn't taken the bullet for me. Beautiful. <laughs> tell me. The, tell me. He picked the more classically sexy moment, of course, when we're all Richie's a classic guy, you know? Not, right, to those bodacious sloths. I see those boobs and I start drooling. <laughs> I, was, I, w- I was pretty legitimately into the human mom. <laughs> okay. Oh, God. I think yeah, she's I pretty hot. I think she's I pretty hot. And none of those scenes are erotic. What are They're about? very tragic yeah. and sad, but I kept on thinking, like, God, her bone structure is on point. She's got incredible cheekbones. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, those she's the only good look looking crazy human. as hell. The other yes. one is, looks bad. The dad Horrible. looks like an awful fucking crazy. Person. They're crazy looking. Yes. I mean, do I? I guess. I guess I will also give my ah uh, horny moment of the week. And it's. I mean, you do need to know that obviously major crush as Ray uh, on Ray Romano as um, Manny the the Mammoth of of course distant inaccessible. I think of I see that you yes. know I I see that and I hear that and I think that's a husband that's a husband that Absolutely. I want. Absolutely. Um, he, he's very much an open mic crush where you're like, why are you acting this much better than me? You're at the same open mic. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's fucked up of you to take my beautiful little romance well. and turn it into that. Okay. <laughs> but he, he is so he's so grumpy he's got mm. those expressive eyes <laughs> and I've, i mean i've always had a crush on ray romano um i'm really happy to see him around out and about right now bad education we love that we love to oh. see him is it bad education yeah oh, i haven't watched it yet oh my god he's being funny it's good it's, it's going good. top of the queue now well you know what my take is i don't know if i'm supposed to say this but i mean my take is hugh jackman playing himself me, I, I, that's that, like Ooh. Fran texted me and we were talking about it. And I think we both um, agree that that's a thing. Wow. Wow. I don't wow, know. Wow. That's interesting. It's my new favorite Hugh Jackman performance. Um, before that, it was the video of him um, singing for the greatest showman, like the, the, the performances to like green light the movie, but he had gotten, do you know this? Do you know about this? You know no, video? I don't. But you're reminding me of my favorite Hugh Jackman moment. What What's the Greatest Showman okay. tape? You need to know that I've never seen the Greatest Showman. <laughs> I still have not <laughs> seen it. But there's a video um, where, and I think they may, might maybe talked about this on Last Culturistas. Like I can't remember how I discovered it, but it might be that um, he had to get surgery on his nose because there was like yes. a little yes, yes. So he had to get surgery on his nose because to take off like a maybe benign cancerous situation. Um, but he but, had band-aids on his nose. Yeah. Yes. And they they were, you know, doing the performances of the songs to like green light the movie or whatever the fuck. But he wasn't going to sing because mm-hmm. the doctor was like, you can't sing because of your nose and how it was just doing surgery. And so It was they, performing surgery. It was nose. performing surgery. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So they had the, another guy who's in the movie sing his song, his big song. Um, but Hugh Jackman's there performing it with yeah. his face 
He's not singing it. The guy is singing it next to him. And Hugh is, let me tell you, just emoting and feeling it until, oh, you know, baby, he can't help it, but he's just got to sing. So the guy is singing. The guy is singing and singing and singing. And then he just, he just starts singing and he sings and everyone's clapping. And then he's so emotional and he's singing so loud and he, and he, and he just gives the rest of the performance. And you, you watch that and you see, that's a man who loves his craft. You know, yeah. he loves th- this shit. He lives for it. So that was previously my favorite Hugh Jackman performance. I think we could dive into this even farther on our new podcast, Jackmaning Off. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, you, you had that one stirring in there. <laughs> yeah. The second you said his name, I was just waiting for it. Can I say my favorite Hugh Jackman moment is uh, the Regal first look for Les Mis, where he's explaining the benefits of uh, Tom Hooper's insane insistence on doing everything live and close up. Absolute. And he says, you can really find the different emotional beats in the song now. Like you can go and with his hands, he breaks down and goes, what have I done? Sweet Jesus. What have I done? <laughs> become a thief in the night, become a dog in the run. But he does it after showing what it would be like previously, where he goes like, so previously you go, what have I done? Sweet Jesus. What have I done? Become a thief in the night, become a dog in the run. And then he, he does the contrast. It. He shifts into it. Oh, That's so good. I got to watch yeah. that. I love Les Mis. Can't tell you if it's a good movie or not. <laughs> Want to rewatch it soon. <laughs> I, yeah, I can I can tell you. I'll tell you off my <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I watched it uh, during quarantine very recently. Never really? seen it before. Hot takes? Uh, Spicy did takes? Like did not like it. Uh, did not like it. I also don't really like musicals, which is bad of me, I suppose. Um, yeah. Uh, but Canceled. I will say that while we were watching it, uh, Melissa, my girlfriend, uh, showed me a video of Neil Patrick Harris and Jason Siegel doing a song from Les Mis. I've seen it. Uh, yeah. And bo- boy, would I watch that movie. Better than Les Mis. You know what else is better than the Les Mis movie? Cats. Yeah. I genuinely oh, think it's oh a better God. movie. Listen... But does, but cat doesn't cats doesn't have Aaron Tivet being like, you know, red the blood, you know, like being so like I'm a boy and I need to fight. Um, that's hot. We love that. And Eddie Redmayne's like, nah, he's just quivering. Um, I do love it. Fragility. <laughs> this is in the same regal first look. He yeah. talks about how Tom Hooper's shooting style allowed him to access the fragility of the performance, and he says fragility two times Good. in one soundbite. Good. <laughs> I love it. Let me piece you back together. Wait, I didn't even tell you what my horny moment of the week is, though. So it's <laughs> obviously, it's about Manny, and it's when um, they discover, and this is a huge moment for everyone, is they discover mm-hmm. Scrat. Scrat is there. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he, and, and, and he's like, go ask him for directions. And Dennis Leary, as Diego, is like, no, I'm a man. I'm a man saber tooth tiger and I don't do shit like that. And Ray Romano's like, don't be a fucking idiot, basically. And he just like asks him for directions. I'm like, that is a man, actually. That made me very horny and actually feel very romantically towards towards him. Um, to have he, the courage to ask for directions. Yeah, to just not give a yeah. shit. He's like, I'm grumpy. I don't care. I'll ask this little fucking rat thing where we're going. I love that. He's so lovable I, to me. I love him so much. On our last episode, um, I mentioned like, oh, it'll be funny to do an ow-ow horny moment of the week for Ice Age. And you said, I already know what mine is. Is that the moment that you knew it was going to be? Or did you change your mind on this watch? Oh, my God. I don't know. 
I actually don't think I even know. I, oh no, I think I, and okay. And this is actually really beautiful about how this is actually about human growth, which is that <laughs> I think when I said that I was like, oh, well, obviously my hour horny, horny moment is going to be about Diego, about Dennis Leary as Diego. Cause I think Dennis Leary's hot and he's like, sure. I'm a bad boy. You know, yeah. I think that's what my uh, uh, horny moment was when I was a child was like, was Dennis Leary being bad. But now as an evolved adult, I say as a woman, as a woman, yeah. as a real woman, I'm looking for a real man. And that is Manny the mammoth. <laughs> <laughs> I just see him and he's yeah. so sad and he wants a family. And I'm like, me too, you know, <laughs> yeah. and he's yeah. looking at the, the, okay, can we talk about that scene? That scene made me emotional <laughs> when he's looking at the drawings and he's remembering his family. That didn't make you emotional, Richie. Here's another thing I like about this movie that, and I don't know if it's just because it's only 70 minutes long. They didn't have the time. <laughs> yeah. I like the fact that they don't lampshade a tragic backstory for him. Like mm. movies like this, usually people go like, yeah, what? You never thought about having a family. And then the character <laughs> stares off in the distance and says, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. And then by the time you get to the, the flashback, the cave painting that reveals what happened, it's yeah. like a foregone conclusion. It doesn't mean anything. And I feel like, a, Romano does a good performance of just so selling it as, good. this is just a grumpy guy. This isn't yeah. a guy who is like broken by some tragedy. He's just grumpy. Mm -hmm. We accept it as a comedic archetype and the movie doesn't hint at it at all. So even though his backstory isn't that shocking, many yeah. children's films have this kind of backstory. Uh, it, it comes, it, like it hits genuinely because they have it like butted us up to the point where it becomes a foregone conclusion. Yeah, Absolutely. Richie, you agree? This part, this part's hitting for you. Yeah, I was definitely like, oh, I didn't know that this uh, got this real. Yeah, uh, it's not like a big twist, sad. but it's, it surprises no. it's you that it's gonna go there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and what but I, I do like the way they told it with like mm -hmm. the two D animation chalk yeah. drawings. I think that that was cool. Which I mean, I could be wrong, but I feel like a lot of movies after this then adopt that, and maybe I just in my memory can't remember mm -hmm. a movie before that. You know, where it's like, okay, here's a thing, and it's a different style of animation telling yeah. this one story. Do you know what I mean? I feel like that becomes an element of movies later. I'm not. I, I'm not going to confidently say this is the original, but no, this is Cr what I Prince remember. of Egypt has a really good hieroglyphics sequence. Like and an when, extended when is hieroglyphics. That? That's ninety eight. Okay. Yeah, but I do think it becomes more of a thing after this. Yeah, um, I like, like it another as a device thing because it, it it really shines in this cave painting sequence because it is wordless. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the score for Ice Age is a bop. It's fucking tight. <laughs> David think... Newman, no relation, who's mostly <laughs> a comedy composer, but has this run from like ninety nine to two thousand two where it feels like he's going to level up and break through. Yeah. And then since then, his career's been kind of shitty. Like, he doesn't get the attention he deserves. But let me list four scores Go that off. I think are and really, really underrated <laughs> in the David Newman filmography. Okay. Wait, wait, I do want to say that was a good joke, Richie. You said Thank four you. scores, and he joke. said seven years ago. That was good. It was actually a great joke. <laughs> um, 1999 Galaxy Quest. Absolutely. You just watched score. that documentary, right, Rich? Yeah, I, I did, and I rewatched the film. It's so rich it's and so Griff. fucking good. Both watch. Yes. I should watch. Enrico Colantoni. <gasps> what a guy. I love him. So, so goddamn good. In 2002, he does Ice Age, which I think is a really good score. They don't bring him back for any of the sequels. 
Rude. And the music is not as good in the sequels from what I've seen. Mm-mm. Another score he does in 2002, and I know my crowd here. I know who I'm playing to. Are you okay. ready for this? Yeah. Rebecca. Mm-hmm. He does the score for a little live action CGI hybrid film called Scooby Doo. Scooby Doobies? Okay. <laughs> And that movie's flawless, uh, top to yep. bottom. So it makes sense. Oh my god, it's Scoobert, literally sitting. Scooper Duber. Duber. Oh yes. god, Richie, have you seen? You've seen, yeah. Yes, of course. But I you, love and you do love. Yeah, I stand Scooby Doo. Good. Sure. But like, god. here's some other. He does the Death the Smoochie score in O2. Mm. He does both of the Nutty Professor scores. Is that right? Uh, he does Matilda. Rocks. He does the Flintstone. He does Matilda. Rusted Root. Rusted. Uh, <laughs> does he make those decisions? Because, I mean, he's like, I, good got, song, a, I, I got a little band for you. <laughs> like Bowfinger. Like, these are like good fucking scores. Tommy Boy. Which Where's is, this guy now? I like the music in Tommy Boy. Yeah, the music in Tommy Boy is good. Like, here are things that he's done. Apparently, okay, okay, wait okay, a second. Okay. It looks like he is doing the score for West Side Story, which is a big step up. <laughs> which now is that- also in many ways connected to this podcast because of how one Rebecca Bullnez actually does star in this film. Well, and I actually did know true. that. And I actually did know that. I did know that he did this, <laughs> the music. I was waiting but for you to we, get there. <laughs> they introduced we, the composer to every extra. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if we look prior to that, it looks like his last film was two years ago. I mean, he did Night what, what, School, what was it? Girls Trip, and then like five movies I haven't even heard of. Some kind of beautiful, Five Flights Up, Behaving Badly. Mm, some spicy. weird computer animated Tarzan movie that I don't No, remember. I don't care for that. <laughs> I don't care for that uh, at all. Christmas Story 2, direct to video. No. I mean, it's like this guy's not getting the credit. And then we're all the way back to 2011. He's doing Big Mama's like Father Like Son. Like the spy next door in 2010. Why does he only only does the squeakle? He only gets to do one (laughs) chipmunks movie. Simply the squeakle. That's I think he's a very underrated comedy and and family film composer. And I'm glad he's doing West Side Story. I hope. I hope that kicks him off again. Of redemption for David Newman. 2020 is going to be a lot of things. And I hopefully, hopefully it's 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 Newman's um, ascent, (laughs) (laughs) reascent. Um, no, I, I think the music rocks. I think the, like I do, it was funny, funny when I was like getting ready to, to watch this movie or when I was thinking about it, I'm like, Oh, this animation is going to be fucking psycho looking and it's going to be funny because I feel like whenever I watch something from this era now, it's like, Oh wow. Things have changed so much and developed and advanced so much. But let me tell you the, the, the quote unquote performances of these characters, I think is so stellar, especially with, with, I mean, well, with Sid is a whole other story because we can spend literally an hour on Sid. But the thing with Manny is like, it's really all eyes, you yeah, know, cause we've got some trunk, but we don't see his, hear his, see his mouth really. So like yeah. that scene, that scene, the sad scene is so it's like burned in my memory of when his eyes go big and he yeah. like remembers, oh my God, and it breaks my heart. And I think it's really like the, the, the animation of that is really, really cool. And, and, and just like very specific, especially for like, you're animating these, these animals that we're not used to 
like seeing, like we don't have a language for what they look like feeling and performing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. And a lot of them are not traditionally expressive. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, th- I think the animation in this one was really good. And I think it also like, it, interestingly, I mean, now because Disney bought Fox, this is on Disney Plus. I swear I the it. only yeah. other Ice Age thing they have on Disney Plus is a TV Easter special from 2016. Yeah, I saw that. I was like, mm, no, thank you. <laughs> That's like half an hour. And I put it on for a minute and I scrubbed through it just because I want to like compare the animation advancements. And it definitely looks better. Like animation technology is much better 15, you know, 14 years later that a TV special looks better than the film. Yeah. But I do think this movie is smart about how stylized they make everything look, that they're not going for realism mm-hmm. and they kind of own the, the like minimalism of it's just ice. It's big, yeah. chunky, zigzaggy ice. ice blocks. I love the ice and the snow. I think it's like so simple, but it's, I'm like, I want to, I want to be there. It's very tangible. I want to crunch through that ice, you know, and that yes. snow. Richie, yeah, I have a question like, for you though. Yeah. Tell me that Sid made you laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Did he uh, make you larf? <laughs> there's a, there's a one time in particular where I laughed at something Sid did. Uh, and that was uh, when they're going through that ice cave and he's walking past the evolutions. <laughs> yeah. That's he, good. That was, that was a really good joke. It's, it's really also, good. This and then they walk past the UFO and the kid gives it the Spock fingers. But you know that the fifth Ice Age film is about aliens. I read this. The third Ice Age film is about dinosaurs. This movie is so clearly not meant to be a franchise because they give the baby back. Mm-hmm. And also at the end, they punt scrap 20,000 years to the future. Yeah. So they had such a hard time figuring out how to make sequels to this after it started doing so well overseas. Mm-hmm. But they were like, we kept on going back to that cave sequence and trying to find other things we had put in there as gags <laughs> frozen. That yeah. we could go like, never mind, I thought out, here's a spaceship. And that's hard because this is a lean 70, as you said, like there's, there's not, there's not padding for, for like things to elaborate on really. No, it's a lean 70. They they didn't lay a lot of track for future installments. Totally. It really is just uh, a kid is stolen. Some friends, unlikely friends get together and return the kid. Three sweet daddies. They are three sweet daddies. There's something nice about how self-contained it is like yeah. that, you know? And that even just the note at the end, it's like, well, now they're a herd, but it isn't like, yeah. and what adventures will they go on next? It just feels like, you know, they'll just survive and nothing that exciting will probably happen again. <laughs> yeah. Though I do love, um, yeah, I love, I, there, there's so many, like, I think maybe I'm giving this movie so much credit that it, <laughs> I'm like, there's a lot of like interesting dynamics within the three of them. Cause it's like, especially in the beginning, Manny is like wary of Diego. Like he like, no, he's like, he's like watching out for him. He's like, this guy's a sneaker, you know? I don't sure, know. Sure. Um, but, and, and, and Sid is just, you know, like bumbling and silly, but also like really wanting to connect with Manny. Like, you know, is very, is very like affectionate in a way, you know? And he's like, no, I don't like it. But then I don't know. There's just like a lot of, relationship that they build really easily i think and man that guy sid makes me laugh so dang much (laughs) can i tell you something that i read that that made me literally start brought like some little tears to my eyes um it is this little thing about so john leguizamo plays uh our beloved sid uh the sloth 
And I read here that, uh, well, first of all, originally Sid was supposed to be more like like a con man sloth, apparently, and be like a dirty bad guy. But then it was getting too inappropriate. Like he was supposed to be like very suggestive with the two lady sloths. And I'm like, that's interesting. That's an interesting vibe. Um, I mean, Richie would have liked that. Yeah, Richie's like, give me more of that shit. Richie's a dang freak. He's crazy for it. (laughs) I had a show called Freak Fest and... And and the song we used often for that show as a bit was "Send Me on My Way" by Russell Drew. Oh, my way! The, you should love this movie. This should be your number really one. Should. Um, and now I can't. Wait a second, Richie wrote and directed Ice Age. <laughs> <on the Wikipedia. laughs> He's just now. been being really like shy and humble yeah. about it. I guess I just didn't like that movie this much because I knew what it could have been. Mm, yeah, you you. Which is, of course, the, all the characters would have had big blue heads and uh. And Super big old titties. <laughs> <laughs> I can't find tits. this thing. Okay. N- no, no, I can't find it. But I, I remember it. Basically, <laughs> John Leguizamo tried out like 40 different voices for, for Sid, to discover Sid. And he watched a documentary about sloths, as you do when you're going to play one, because you're a serious huh? actor. And he found that sloths often held food in their mouth. And he was like, oh, that's interesting. Let me try to put food in my mouth and like talk how I would with food in my mouth. And that's how he found Sid. And just that, just the craft of that really made me emotional. <laughs> An actor prepares. An actor prepares. I'm just like imagining John Leguizamo being like, all right, got to play this this goofy, goofy little sloth. Time to watch a documentary on sloths. <laughs> And he is, I mean, I think his, I'm like, Oscar, give him an Oscar. <laughs> I think he's really, really good in this. And it also is like, especially because this was the case then, I feel like it's become only more the case now. Mm-hmm. When you cast a famous actor in an animated film, you're like, and and do your thing. Sure. Yeah. Like, I think Romano is particularly good in this, but he is doing, doing a grumpier Romano. version of his own voice. It's a different character, but yeah. he's not changing his voice. To hire someone famous enough as John Leguizamo and have him be like, I'm going to do a wildly different voice. Yeah. Like, I'm going to develop a full character voice for this. It's it's fun. And I think probably one of the reasons why the physical comedy with Sid is so good is because he was giving him so much to work with. Yeah. Like, you hear that voice and you start imagining the possibilities if you're an animator. And they just mm-hmm. gave that guy such a good face. He's just he's so he's inherently face. funny to look at. One of my yeah. biggest laughs of this movie is when <laughs> Okay, and I'm laughing thinking about it. <laughs> when he, he draw like he he like makes fire finally. Um and he draws he's the Lord himself. Of the fire. <laughs> he's yeah. he's Sid, Lord of the Flame. That makes me laugh so much. But when they when he draws himself and then you see the drawing that he made of himself is really funny to me and apparently that was like one of the animators like three-year-old daughters or something and it's like so it's just really funny because it's like okay let's take the already funny looking animated version and make him like a 2d drawing and he's gonna look even stupider oh i love it i love that guy i was curious about the critical response to this movie okay and i found a quote from the roger ebert review which was i came to scoff and i stayed to laugh (laughs) <laughs> which is a nice quote. Like, there's a little story there. So then I was like, I wonder if he stayed on board with the franchise. The fourth film, which I think was the last one he lived to see, mm-hmm. Continental Drift, 
He gave it two stars out of four and stated, watching this film was a cheerless exercise for me. (laughs) The characters are manic and idiotic. The dialogue is rat-a-tat chatter. The action is entirely at the service of the 3D. And the movie depends on bright colors, lots of noise, and a few songs in between the whiplash moments. What a fall from grace. I love when he's mean. I don't remember exactly what it says, but uh, Rob Schneider wrote like a letter uh, after Deuce Bigelow, Male Gigolo came out yes. after Roger Ebert reviewed it and gave it a bad review. And he basically like, t- like shit talked Roger Ebert for reviewing his movie so poorly. And Roger Ebert wrote him back. And it is like the, the most scathing thing I've ever read. <laughs> <laughs> he is, he is like, yeah, uh, sorry, you come with the king. You best not miss. I'm going to fucking murder you. He does not mess around. He's got the fucking jabs. He's going to take you down. And him and I went to the same college, uh, me and Roger Ebert. So, okay, absolute uh, brag. Yeah. Absol- and Richie's a Chicago boy. In a way, I took down uh, Roger Ebert. <laughs> Do you know that Rob Schneider reached out to Ebert, though, when he was very sick and was very supportive and like, oh, really? in contact with him during That's that? That's so nice. And then Ebert did like a piece about like the act of kindness. Like We said such bad things about each other, but humanity Aww. trumps that all. That's great. That's I, I love, I, I mean, what a guy. What a guy. And I'm, I mean, I think I'm excited to see five and six of fucking Ice Age franchise. <laughs> That's one nice thing. Roger Ebert didn't have to sit through those. <laughs> yes. That having been said, I'm trying to find the original letter because I remember how scathing it was. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, should we play should we play um Jack's big scene? <laughs> his big yeah. scene. We should do his first line and then his second line, and then that's all his lines. <laughs> and then we okay. do the whole thing. <laughs> um Let's see. Well, I have his big scene queued up, but uh, wait, do I? Do I actually? That's a good question. Um, What's interesting is that I do feel like John Leguizamo is giving you a performance. And I don't know how much Jack is actually performing, performing, you know, or if it's it's like this weird in between of like he's not yet so like he's becoming he's becoming a big star but he's not yet so like instantly noticeable where it's like oh yeah that works that jack's just doing jack do you know what i mean it's this weird in between where he's like almost doing just jack but then kind of throwing a little bit onto it i don't know um i'll share my screen yeah i mean i think he's questioning whether he's gonna be jack black who you know Kung yeah. Fu Panda and uh, Shark Tale are designed around, or if he's going to be Allium Tudyk or Diedrich Bader, where he's like, tell me what kind of voice to do and I'll do it. Oh, and also, I gasped when I looked at the IMDb. Apparently, Josh Hamilton is like the do- one of the dodo birds. He has a bunch Star of assorted of screen. Roles. <laughs> I yeah. love Josh Hamilton. That, those Okay, and, those dodos do make me laugh. <laughs> and uh, Steven Root, uh, two of the dodgeball guys are in this movie. Oh my God. Okay. Can we just review dodgeball just because I want to? (laughs) Yeah, Jack Black should be in that movie. Griff, if you guys ever do, whoever directed dodgeball, if you guys ever do that, please get me on the dodgeball (laughs) app. I just am dying to talk about dodgeball. Rostin Marshall Thurber, who has now become uh, The Rock's go-to director. Yeah, I was going to say he directed Skyscraper, I think. Yeah, and Central Intelligence. And he directed a new one, I think, about art theft. That was filming when COVID hit. Wow. With uh, Gal Gadot and The Rock and Ryan Reynolds. She a good actress? Cool, yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> Can't tell you. Uh, I just watched uh, Fast and Furious for the first time. Yeah, what a movie. Uh, and uh, she's, uh, I was surprised she was in it and she did good. 
That was that was what made her. Yeah, she got Wonder Woman off of being the, in the Fast and Furious movies, and that's her first one. No opinion on the woman, <laughs> except for Imagine video. She's, bad. I was like, oh, I was going to say this really She's touching video. <laughs> Richie cried at that one. Griff, yeah. Griff, did you get the call? Did you get the call for the Imagine video? <laughs> I, I got the call they, when it was posted. They couldn't meet my quote. They couldn't meet my yeah. quote because I'm really trying to hit the SAG minimum for health insurance. And that's not a joke. Sure. And we were talking about it before we started recording. This is going to be a sweaty year. And everything's actually news. feeling really good and safe. And with that, actually I guess. Actually really good and safe. Yeah. Uh, with that, I guess let's listen to, uh, let's uh, watch our little Jack's moment. Okay, here we go. I can't wait to get my claws in that mammoth. No one touches the mammoth until I get that baby. He's looking sad. First, I'm going to slice its hindquarters into sections. I'm going to put the white meat in one pile and the dark in another. Hey, knock it off. I'm starving. Next, the shoulders. Occasionally tough, but extremely juicy. I told you to knock it off. Save your energy. Mammoths don't go down easy. And that's it. That's basically it for our our guy Jack. And then that's basically it. And Every then other the time he appears on screen, he doesn't really speak. Yeah. Yeah. He's being. Cra- Does he not seem like a meth head? Like being like thinking about. And first, I'm gonna get the drugs, and then I'm gonna do them. <laughs> that's how meth heads I mean, are, actually. That's- as far as like being given a project where you're given that few, those like few lines, like yeah. He kind of hits it out of the park. Yeah, no, I mean, he's not. <laughs> like, he, he does an incredible job. Bad. All things considered. I want more. This is simply want this more. Is yeah. like, I'm on the Ice Age Wikia. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> A beautiful and under, place on the internet. Under the section personality and traits. Of Zeke? Yeah, it says, Zeke was a fast-talking cat that was not above making snide remarks, notably about Diego, whose leadership Zeke questioned, considering Soto to be the pack's <laughs> true leader. He I did love, all that? <laughs> I love little write-ups like that where they're trying yeah. to unpack larger personality traits from one scene. Totally. <laughs> Totally. That reminds me of, never mind. I, I was going to talk about my job that I don't have anymore and I shouldn't huh. talk about. Never mind. No, just like sometimes you read certain scenes where you're like, oh, is there, is there anything else going on? Like, what else do you know about this character? And it's like, that's else. it, baby. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you're trying yeah. to read so much into it. I mean, maybe he has a rich inner life that we, I mean, who knows that we don't, that we don't really get to experience, but um, I think what rubs me the wrong way about this performance is that, I mean, fans of the show will know, I just don't like it when Jack's being a bad guy. Yeah. This gives me never-ending story three vibes, which makes me really mm. sad. Did you know that he's say, in never-ending story in, three? Oh, yes, I remember that. And he's <laughs> in that sort of bully mode here. That's This is the performance yeah. I think it's closest to, yeah. And well, we his eyebrows, I think, mm. it really informed a lot of casting decisions uh, early in his career totally. to make him... Uh, that makes him seem a little angrier. Yeah. And I or feel mean. like we've, we, we haven't had a, a bully Jack character in a minute, you know, <laughs> you know, I'm interested kind in of the last one, maybe. Yeah. Prob- yeah. Probably. Probably. Um, I'm interested in seeing like a Nacho Libre movie with Jack Black. I'm interested but he in plays that a, too. But he plays a heel. Oh yeah. I, I, Richie I, knows I, about wrestling. I don't. Yeah. I cannot wait until you guys get to Nacho Libre. I, I contend to this day, to my dying day, that Nacho Libre fully slaps. No, I mean, Nacho Libre is why I am doing this podcast. Sure. Nacho great, Libre great. is a That's top exactly five. That's exactly what I want to hear. Nacho yeah. Libre is a top five, and it's actually, and it's, and, and if, and if I talk about it too much, 
I'll go crazy. I'll go crazy it's right so now. Good. It's, it's so, so good. good. And you're making me realize I might be having nacho for dinner tonight. Wait, <laughs> oh. wait a minute. But I have a question. Have you seen Polka King? I have not seen Polka King. Are I would be interested King? in what you think of the Polka King. Okay. I'm kind of a Polka, I'm a Polka King fan. Um, I feel like not, I have seen most of them. I'm curious yeah. now how few I have missed. Yeah. You've seen it, the drama ones. You've seen like Margot at the wedding. Yeah. You know what? I've actually never seen Margot at the wedding. It's the only Bobak like, I haven't that's seen. That's the next time he's being a bully. He's being so mean in that. Oh. Yeah. Let me look through here and see. So I haven't seen Margot and I haven't seen Polka King. Polka King, I, I think been, is... I've gone all the way to like D-Train. I'm so excited for that. It's going to um, be a lot. You know what? A lot of the family, the recent run, I haven't seen the Goosebumps and I haven't seen House with a Clock in its Walls. Mm. Same. I did a whole bit about the House with the Clock in the Walls and I didn't see it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I certainly, I saw D-Train. I saw, I'm looking through these here. Yeah. I saw The Big Year. I saw Bernie. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't see Gulliver's. It's the it's the family ones I've mostly skipped out on. Saw Year One in theaters. <laughs> I'm so excited to do that. There's so many good. I'm like we've got some juicy shit. Yeah, we're in the home stretch. Like I feel like there's a, another year and a half left to this podcast, and it's just all all home runs. They're all going to be. Their home, home runs, runs are like you know I mean? interesting to watch. Yeah. You know, especially now. We got to talk about the context of this movie now, though, because this movie does. Okay, first of all, there's a slightly brutal, you don't see it, but I guess the bad guy gets impaled by icicles. That's Yeah, crazy. what was that? That was, yeah. <laughs> that was insane. I'm like, that's really a brutal death. Um, I mean, off screen, mm-hmm. but we know that that's what happens, you know? Um, this movie ends with a line, if it's not exactly this, it's like this, where because they're walking through the cold. And mm-hmm. Sid says, you know what I could go for? Global warming. Uh-huh. That yeah. is insane to hear. <laughs> well, no, no, but it's so nice that that joke was made back in 2002. 2002 such exactly. meaningful progress. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly really taking the issue seriously. That's like I, I rewatched uh, or I, I finally finished watching all of Cheers uh, last year, which I never sort of watched the whole second half sure. of the series. And there are jokes and episodes of Cheers from like 1989. Mm-mm. Where they're like, yeah, yeah, government's trying to tell us about this global warming thing. Mm-mm. It's crazy. I think this movie talks, it it, it tackles um, global warming. It also does ta- tackle toxic masculinity because it does allow men mm. to be affectionate and loving to each other. Yes. And that's beautiful. Yes. Sid does, it's a film about male vulnerability. It is. Sid tells Ma- uh, Manny that he has beautiful eyes and he does. And he does. And I don't think it's at the expense. Of, it's not like, haha, isn't it funny that these boys are being nice to no. each other? I think they are three dads. They're three daddies. It's a film about single fathers. It's three single fathers who then give the child back to his biological single father. I mean, the yeah. father is widowed now. That's insane. Yeah. Richie, it's how a- does the, wh- why do you think this doesn't <laughs> click for you? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. why am I being so offended I re- about this? <laughs> of all of I things? really. I really don't. I wish I liked it. I wish I liked every movie. There's no movie <laughs> I don't want to like. Like, uh-huh. like I don't know. It's just uh, there's just something about it. There's just, just something uh, about it. It just gives me Sid bad doesn't vibes. Do it for <laughs> bad vibes. Yeah. <laughs> bad vibes from Ice Age. Cold, icy vibes. <laughs> I feel like we're the opposite in the sense that, like, 
I'm very, I'm that way about people. Like I hate people mm. and I'm so mean about people. And you're like, oh, they're sure. fine. They're nice. And I'm like, that person literally sucks so much. I wish I never <laughs> met them. Um, and I'm like, I can buy in. I'm like, this movie's funny. And you're like, nah, not for me. You know? And Charming, that's what's interesting about having a co-host. Yeah, it's yin and yang. I just, I, you know, I watching this movie made me wish they had never made any sequels. Yeah. Though Queen yeah. Latifah, the, the only thing that I remember from the sequel, honestly, is that Queen Latifah is in it and she's a pretty and, mammoth. Is she, I would and, say she's uh, Ray's love interest, right? Yeah. And Lopez, Jennifer Lopez is Diego's love interest, right? Mm, see, I didn't even remember that. And then I was looking this up. I believe Jesse J of all people becomes Sid's love interest. <laughs> See, Sid should not. I mean, I feel like Sid should not have a love interest at all. Sid should be like an asexual, like icon, you know, just kind of like mm-hmm. being a guy in the world, you know. And then like Adam Devine plays Manny's son. Interesting. You know it what? Goes my in the weird directions. My take was that. Um, and this was a while ago that I said this take that I think that Adam Devine has um, Jack Black vibe or wanting to be Jack Black vibe. He's not exactly yeah, I, there. I, I think but. it is the latter. I think he is very much trying to co-opt a lot of the Jack Black moves and sand them off. Yeah. Him and Gad. Him and Gad. Yeah. I like yeah. Devine in Righteous Gemstones, though. I do think he's funny in that, but I think he has a lot to play off. Of. You know, like he has sure. the context is does a lot of work. And I've, look, I'm in quarantine. I'm throwing straight heat. I'll say it. Am Divine is the reason I have not watched the Righteous Gemstone. <laughs> I mean, he's he's the, the the weakest link, but in in for sure he he must in, be on a show with John Goodman. Yeah, but yeah, that's the thing is everyone's everyone is so strong in that, yeah, and right, you yeah. should watch it. I mean, the God. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. Let's Andy see how long McBride shows never really hit with me, but Righteous Gemstones did. It worked for oh. me. That's yeah. why I I love vice principals. I love a Danny McBride, honestly. Yeah. Um. I'm not a strong uh you know into like uh character work. Yeah. That's which is so wild. Stupid, but you're like yeah. I like comedy, but also I don't like characters. What's yeah. characters welcome? Not for Richie on <laughs> no, TB. No TBS USA USA characters welcome. Characters oh, welcome. God, that was terrible. Yeah. Wow. I mean, what else is there to say about Ice Age? I do love a montage of Rusted mm-hmm. Root. I think that's beautiful. I think that's timely. Yeah. It takes. We, we never there. explained that, and to someone listening to, the, to this podcast um, <laughs> who, <laughs> who did not watch the movie, they're going to hear it start with me playing Rusted Root on guitar and be like, yeah. "That's a weird choice." Um, but trust me, it makes less sense in the movie. I think it's beautiful. This <laughs> it is beautiful, but it's the beautiful. only human song, like the only like. Yeah, it's weird. It's got lyrics. one pop song. Yeah, <laughs> it's I it's I do weird. love a road trip type like moment in a movie. You know, like this. Yes. Th- this is a road movie in many ways. <laughs> it is the traveling montage. It's a herd movie. Yeah, yeah. it's it's and okay, okay. Um, it, instead of it's not your Mount Rushmore of comedy. I'm asking you, Griff. What mm. is if you could pick? three guys to be or three people to be in your dang herd. Who is it? <laughs> and and uh, your, your who's your herd? Who's your quarantine herd? <laughs> Who are your herds? I mean, look, off the top of my head, I got to say Romano, Kazama, Leary. And I those mean, guys cracking up. That's, uh, that's, I mean, and that's beautiful. And Rich, you got an answer? Yeah, of course. I'm going to go uh, Bader, uh, Black, and uh, the other one. The other Alan one. Tudor. <laughs> Alan Tudor, yeah. Oh, no. 
I can't decide. <laughs> my herd's got to be a little bit of, I mean, I think I have to go with my three guys. I do have to go with Romano Legazamo and, um, and maybe I, I, and I swap in Jack because I feel like the part of me that is attracted to Dennis Leary is a toxic part that I don't want in my, in my body anymore. You know, sure. It just does not, it doesn't serve me. Can I say too, I, reading the Wikipedia said they were like, oh, we should get someone with a really deep voice to play Manny, like Ving Rhames or something. Mm -hmm. And they were like, we should get a comedy person. Romano's such a good choice because of how much his voice lives in his nose. Mm. It fits for a mammoth. <laughs> yeah. Like his voice is fairly deep, but also just helps that he's like, you know, he sounds like someone. Oh, yeah. Got a fucking trunk. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I see him. Like that, that's, that's who I see, you know, I no yeah, longer see yeah. Ray Romano. I see this yeah. charming mammoth who's just trying to get by. <laughs> he got saddled <laughs> with these two weirdos. He's like, wait, I love this kid. It's a, it's a human. Yeah. I don't know uh, about don't, that. Uh, who knew it turns out I love this baby. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't you do the podcast all in that voice? <laughs> I should have. You could have pretended your special guest was Ray Romano. <laughs> oh my god! And I would love that. And I do. And I do. And I. I do hope that we're getting the the Renaissance, the Romanaissance. You know, we I kind of so. are. Kind right? of seems like we are. Yeah. He's doing great work these days. I want Oscar nom performance from him soon. You know. I agree. He yes, absolutely. I mean, he's so good in The Irishman. Oh my god. With those big glasses. Unbelievable. <laughs> he looks so good. <laughs> wow. And now we're on to the Irishman and I can't start talking about Al Pacino. So we're going to have to, we're going to have to tie, tie it up. Um, any, any closing thoughts on, on Ice Age before we get into our little reviews? Griff, you've been such a perfect guest for this episode. Surprise, surprise. Oh, it's been a joy. Uh, no, I just think, I think it's interesting to view this in the context of like, because animation takes a while before you, because you have to hire an actor years in advance and record the dialogue years in advance. Mm -hmm. This is the last Jack Black movie that is not really a Jack, a Jack Black, Black movie. movie. Even if Pretty he's much. not the lead, every role after this, even if it's him doing a cameo in something, yeah. is so defined by your understanding of the Jack Black persona. And oh. what he brings to the screen. And this yeah. feels like a little just bonus. Like, oh, that's weird that he's in this. I need to ask you about voice acting too, though. What are you? Oh, sure. Because you have done it or you are going to do it. It was announced. I've, I've done it. I don't I'm know how two... much you're allowed to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm on uh, our cartoon president, which is currently airing on Showtime yes. in season three, maybe four. We I'm trying know. to pretend this administration <laughs> has not been in effect for as long as it has. <laughs> but I play I play Jared Kushner on that, which is very much my uh, speaking voice. Mm -hmm. um, so you're doing I, a I bit of a Jack in Ice Age. Yes. I went yeah. into the audition trying to do a real character voice for it. Mm -hmm. And they uh, listened to my podcast and were like, can you just sound like yourself? Do like, <gasps> okay, can that happen to me? I'm open to do voice. <laughs> I'm, I would love to do voice work. <laughs> I just say it's it great. I'm so happy I got in there, uh, especially now. Um, and can I you love give us doing a, taste it. Of a lot of ways I prefer voice? it to on camera acting, but uh, I, I agree. Like, it's nice to be like, oh, you just want my real voice. That nice. happens. It's a little, it's a little scary when they're asking for that with uh, Jared Kushner, one of the most <laughs> evil people. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, I'll just be but then, that guy, just being myself. Right, of course. Um, but then I'm doing um, uh, Masters of the Universe Revelation, which is the new He-Man cartoon, which I yes. recorded a good chunk of. And I'm not sure exactly when it will come out. 
if it's going to be delayed at all because of the state of the world. Sure. But on that, I play Orko, who is like a magical troll wizard. He is a trollant. And this is in many ways a dream, um, yes? This is feeling very... Oh, a dream amazing. character for me. Absolute dream character yeah, for me. You tweeted that you wanted also, the role before you got it, right? Like a couple of years before. That's so <laughs> cool. Uh, before they announced this specific show that, like, I just wanted to play Orko in some capacity. I fought really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if I was fighting against else. I don't know how much competition I had, but I fought very hard to convince the people who made the decision to hire me because uh, I want it so badly. But yeah. that is a very specific voice, and it's a very specific voice that's been done by other people in two previous cartoon shows. So that was me having to figure out how to do my best version of it, but also fit into a continuity with, uh, sure. with someone else. And that was like the, that's been the instance for me of, and I've done a couple other little guest spots and other things where it's like slight character voices. Mm-hmm. But Orko is the one where I was like, oh, I understand why voiceover actors talk about it being like very physical and very exhausting because I have to do all sorts of weird things to make my voice sound correct, which hopefully will all be uh, uh, successful. Hopefully people will be happy when they hear it. What's your dream? Do you have a dream um, voiceover animation role? Like what's, what's your Legazamo? Like me, like you originating a character, like what's your Legazamo as Sid the Sloth iconic um, dream voice role? Or like, Um, yeah, what do you, what's, what's the guy? Who do you want to do? Well, I mean, in a lot of ways it is Orko, like not just like literally that character, but what that character does. Um, I've, but no, what are you uh, gonna say, Richie? Oh, I have a question. A question for you regarding yeah. this: uh, If you were to voice a toy in Toy Story, what kind of toy would you be? Oh, that's a great question. Richie, coming through with the journalism. <laughs> that's a really great question. I'm trying to think of like a type of toy that hasn't gotten a lot of attention in the Toy Story universe. I feel like maybe like a wind-up toy. I was gonna say a wind-up toy. I swear to God. I feel like I might have the energy for a wind-up toy. Sure. And he's bouncing around. Yeah. yeah, a little bounce-around guy. I mean, there's like Lenny, who's the binoculars, but there hasn't been like a prominent wind-up character. I see yeah. it. I see it and I hear it. Make well, do it you, happen. Do you, fe- do you yeah. feel watching it like, do you have now like with some voiceover work under your belt, is your experience watching animated movies different, like colored by that at all? Uh, I'm just able- like respecting it more when mm. it's, good and like thinking about what works and what doesn't i mean i've been like trying like making an effort to maybe be like maybe this is more what i focus my career on because i really like the voiceover stuff and i obviously like animation so much yeah i find it very satisfying to do and it uh avoids a lot of the anxiety i usually feel about doing performance Mm -hmm. uh namely the my face having to be seen stuff oh but it's a great face griff well um, but especially during during this like quarantine, like voiceover is the one thing can I that I can audition for, and I've been uh, really putting an emphasis on that. So I don't know. It's it's just like it's a thing I love. And watching like uh, I mean Romano and Legazama are giving very different performances in this movie. Totally. And one of them is making a real character voice, and one of them is playing a different energy with their Leaning neutral in. speaking voice. Yeah. But I think both are equally adept. And I think that's part of it with animation. It's just like figuring out what the right amount to, to do is and what fits the design of that character best and the story and what type of character it is, what animal it is, you know? Hell yeah. I mean, that's the fun thing about animation is like, you don't have to be defined by your own body, yeah. even if they're putting costumes and wigs and whatever on you. 
you can look at a drawing and then go like, what in an ideal world would that voice sound like to match that drawing? And, and I that's re- kind of a fun challenge. I really do think that, I mean, I'll say it in Ice Age, everyone's choices, correct the moon though. <laughs> Nothing feels out of place in this one. I feel like I believe all of these guys and I love them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Should we, should we review? Do we have, do we have one more? Do we have anything else to, to say about Ice Age? I had a great time. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what scale you review on, but for me, I sent like well, I think no, it's no, like no. a 6.5. We'll tell, you, we'll tell I, you the scale. Okay, we'll tell yeah. you the well, scale. We got a okay. special Give us process. a second. Um, okay. Do you want to intro this for us? Sure. So we review both Jack Black's performance and the movie itself. Uh, we'll be reviewing Jack Black's performance out of five uh, icebergs. Yes. Uh, or should we do five members of a herd? Um, five five icicles that impale the bad guy <laughs> sure 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 sure. one out of yeah, five so icicles that impale the bad guy and each then, icicle more painful than the next yes um and then to review the movie we review it by a, the length of a jack black type scat and so the we won't do it over rusted root scat, uh the more you like the movie okay i love this so are we review richie you want to go first are we reviewing the movie first uh yeah, we'll review the movie first. <clears throat> Give us your... We go... Okay. I'm going to give... Do you want to do, do Jack? I can't remember how we do it. Uh, you can do it. We'll okay. do the show, the movie of the Rock Okay, circle. give it a second. Okay. That's mine. Okay, I want to keep going. This movie, I think I it needs to be longer. This movie rocks. I had such a good time. All right, Richie, you want to review Jack? Yeah, um, I think uh, Jack Black and Suey not give it much. Uh, yeah, sort of got to make a meal out of an appetizer, um, and uh, I think he does a very good job of that. I think um, I would say he gets four and a quarter icicles piercing. Wow! Wow! Dead body. Go off. Um. I think I'll give, you know, I will give him, I think, you know, this is controversial and I'm going to give him actually what it is, is I'm going to give him four because, and the only reason I'm giving him four is that I want Jack to be confident in this moment. I want him to own it a little bit more. I want him to recognize his star. And I think he's, you know, he's giving, he's not giving much, but if he had a little bit more knowledge of saying, I am fucking Jack Black and I can turn it out any day for any role, yeah. I think we get it a little more cranked. That's my take. Griff? Yeah, I think you gotta give him four. I mean, it's like, you know, at first I was thinking if you give him 3.5 so as not to destabilize the economy, you know, in terms <laughs> of the rankings. Because you're you're judging this against performances in which he's the lead or at least a prominent supporting role. Mm. But I think if you just look at it as, Here's Jack Black, hungry actor, given the script. 
Totally. Did he not make the absolute most of it? Did he not give them even a little more than what they asked for? Oh, yeah. And the character does pop in that one scene enough that when I saw that character in later scenes moving around with zero vocalization, <laughs> yeah. I thought to myself as a 13-year-old, man, Jack Black is good in this. And I think that's a big, big compliment. Four stars. That's beautiful. Four icebergs. I'm sorry. Four, four icebergs. Ice icicles. Icicles impaling the bad guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Griff, thank you so much for doing the yeah, show. This was you, so oh, fun. My pleasure. What do you want to plug, baby, to our to to our massive following? <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll plug I'll plug voice stuff. Uh, uh, blank check for Griffin and David. My podcast, where podcasts are found. Um, the Masters of the Universe Revelation will hopefully come out the end of this year, maybe the beginning of next year. We'll see. Everything's weird now. Uh, but our cartoon president is viewable, I think, on Showtime anytime or Showtime now or whatever that streaming service is called. Works like 40 episodes or something. Oh, well. If you want to hear a Jared Kushner, that okay. sounds uh, exactly like this. <laughs> um, and then I'm also in one episode of uh, The Shivering Truth, the adult swim show by Vernon Chapman, creator Ooh. of Wonder Chosen. So that's like an anthology of like kind of creepy stories. And there's one episode where I'm the, the central kid who creepy things happen to. And there's a little stop motion puppet that looks a little bit like me. Okay. And you feel comfortable and happy about that. And you love that. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm excited. I'm excited to be a part of it. Cool. I'm excited to be a part of it. It was fun to do. Yeah. Um, but they just, the trailer just came out today and I was watching it and I was like, I think that's the me puppet. <laughs> To, we'll this, check that out then. Yes, yeah, season premieres uh, be Aaron and May on Adult Swim and on their website. Amazing. Thank you so much. We have nothing else to give. Follow Jacking Off on Twitter at Jacking Off Pod. Jacking Off. Cast? Follow us if you don't. Uh, Can't remember what our Twitter yeah. is. That's Jacking Off Pod. It. Listen, next we have School of Rock, and we're going to try. We really. Nope. No. Not next. Ne not next? Melvin goes to dinner, isn't it? Am I insane? Oh boy. Oh, okay. Never mind. Well, I guess well then we really want to do um School of Rock not in quarantine, but looking like that's probably not, not gonna, gonna happen. happen. <laughs> <laughs> um uh, so 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 stick around for Melvin goes to dinner. I did not mm -hmm. I will say he's very good, Melvin goes to dinner in a one scene role, a film written and directed by Bob Odenkirk. Yeah. Interesting. We just watched Run Ronnie Run last week and Mm. Not Adam. very good, <laughs> but no, no, agreed. <laughs> well, we'll see what this one. Very excited. All right, that that. I mean, that's it. And and this is. I have nothing clever to say. I was trying yeah, to think of something. Keep jacking off. I mean, guess keep jacking off. Hey, Griff, can you promise to us that we you will keep jacking off? I will never stop jacking off, especially during quarantine. We're talking twenty four seven, three sixty five. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. I love having that on tape.